You're listening to The Top Floor, a podcast featuring critical conversations around property management, community associations, and real estate investing. I'm your host, Sean Forster, the trend researcher at Appfolio. Here on The Top Floor, we discuss change, innovation, and opportunities for the future. With help from thought leaders and change makers, we'll give you inside access to our world at the height of industry disruption. Today, we are taking a look at diversity in the industry. And to get a sense of the topic, we've tapped some of our favorite experts to explore what makes a diverse team, why it's so important to prioritize inclusivity and leadership, and offer a roadmap to put you and your team on a path to becoming champions of diversity in the real estate and property management industry. Now let's turn it over to Megan, who will take us through the episode. We hear the word diversity all the time. But what do we actually mean when we say it? When you reflect on your unique workplace, you might see differences between yourself and your coworkers. But this term, diversity, points to particular types of differences between us. Diversity meaning, the best definition I can give you is cultural and ethnic variety, for lack of a better word. And it's human nature, same attracts same, right? This is Melissa White. Melissa is the Director of Operations at The Cool Source, spelled with a K, an Atlanta-based digital marketing agency. She's also the CEO of the Activation Hour Coaching and Consulting and a key player with the National Apartment Association's Education Institute. It's training ourselves to realize, like, wait, I'm seeing much of the same and I'm not seeing enough diversity to capture the essence of not just who we are in totality, but also our client, right? Jasmine Sylvester a diversity scholar and chair of the Diversity Advisory Board at IRIM, the Institute of Real Estate Management, offers another definition. While there are a number of ways to define diversity and inclusivity, Jasmine likes to frame them in the context of a social gathering, something we're all familiar with, and add to the conversation equity and inclusivity. There is an additional element to diversity and inclusion, and I think that it is often excluded from the equation, and that would be equity. So to better differentiate between the three of diversity, inclusion, and equity, um, I love the quote that explains it best. Diversity is where everyone is invited to the party. Equity means that everyone gets to contribute to the playlist, and inclusion means that everyone has the opportunity to dance. So just to recap, As Jasmine defines these terms, diversity means everyone is invited to the party, or in our case, the workplace. Equity means everyone gets to contribute. And inclusivity means that everyone is made to feel welcome. Still with us? We'll circle back to Jasmine later in the episode. But for now, let's get acquainted with Josh Childress, who is probably familiar to those of you who follow professional basketball. Yep. Josh played forward and point guard on several NBA teams, including the Atlanta Hawks, Phoenix Suns, and Brooklyn Nets. So uh, my name is Josh Childress, originally from Compton, California. I went to undergrad at Stanford University, uh, where I got my degree in sociology. After graduating in 2004, Josh spent the next 15 years playing for those NBA teams we'd mentioned, as well as for teams in Australia, Japan, and Greece. Post-basketball, he started a real estate and investment firm called the Landspire Group, which focuses on under-resourced communities, such as his hometown, Compton. So I co-founded Landspire Group with my former college teammate and roommate, uh, Justin Davis, with the intent on um, you know, investing into communities um, 
that are under resourced, number one, but also, uh, you know, what prompted our, our, you know, starting the company was the uh, Opportunity Zone legislation. In a nutshell, the Opportunity Zone legislation is a government program that identifies areas for investment, Josh says, and investors get a reduced tax basis over several years. After 10 years, they can either sell or get rid of the property with no capital gains tax. And it's for these reasons, Josh explains, that the program tends to attract outside investors or corporations. So that that automatically kind of, uh, you know, shuts the program off for the local community at large, um, as you have to have sold a business or, you know, sell off appreciated stock in order to invest in these zones and then, you know, hold it for 10 years uh, and then you pay no no gains tax on that uh, that gain. Most of the investment would come from individuals that have no uh, no ties and or connection to the community whatsoever. And so, um, you know, usually when that happens, um, it's a, a, you know, a, a path towards gentrification uh, and the community stakeholders at large don't uh, actually really uh, get a chance to participate in the upswing of the neighborhood. And so for us, it was about how can we uh, go into these communities and be the uh, investor developer, uh, you know, refurbish these areas, but also take the community at large into uh, consideration and help the, help empower them um, to participate in, uh, you know, in the revitalization of the community as well. Josh points to diversity related issues in the industry to explain this further. I think minority representation and diversity in general, um, you know, in the real estate space is sorely needed. It's predominantly white male uh, industry. And uh, I think that, you know, there's different perspectives and different uh, ideas that come from diversity. If I go into a community and speak about the type of programming I'd like to, to put, um, you know, in place to help the community at large, I actually have a vested interest because I know um, what that community uh, needs and I, um, you know, can relate to those local local stakeholders, um, you know, because I look like them, right? And there is uh, an immediate, I'd say, sense of trust, you know, in that regard. Here, Josh is outlining just why diversity is a crucial part of the real estate and property management industries. Speaking for himself, growing up in under-resourced areas allows him to adopt the unique perspective that's necessary to craft real solutions for the communities where he and Landspire Group are investing. On top of that, there is trust and community buy-in, which are vital to any successful investment. So far, our experts have helped us define diversity, equity, and inclusivity. They've provided valuable insights into the current state of diversity in real estate. And they've helped us understand why it's so important that leadership roles are filled by people from diverse backgrounds. So what's the recipe of a diverse and inclusive organization? Here's Melissa White again. So you can have diversity. Companies will call themselves diverse, and that doesn't mean they're inclusive. You can be inclusive and not be diverse. (laughs) However, you have the maximum impact of cultural awareness, of cultural voice, when you have the two together. To do this, Melissa recommends being an advocate for equitable voices. Meaning whether you're an on-site team member, a leasing um, you know, professional, a community manager, maintenance technician, the grounds person, doesn't matter because everyone has different vantage points and a perspective that tells the collective story. Are you, one, talking yourself about the issue and are you making space for your people to talk about the issue in a constructive way? 
She also suggests getting outside. If you have created a lifestyle and a culture of connectivity, then it's not foreign for you to be boots on the ground, for you to do a site visit and not just be stuck in the office on a computer, but literally walk, go on a tour with your leasing specialist and ask questions. Hey, tell me about these things. What are your pain points? And listen, Uh, if you're doing that now, it's not so hard to do that when a major event occurs and it doesn't feel so awkward and strange to your people. And that's okay. If it is awkward, do it, but be consistent so that people see that it's authentic. (laughs) Well, there are still challenges in our industry related to diversity. There are bright spots. For its part, NAA's Education Institute administers the Alexandra Jacku Diversity and Inclusion Scholarship to help fund professional development opportunities for people who identify as a racial or ethnic minority, or as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, or as a person with a disability. One such recipient is Melissa White. I'm forever grateful to Alexandra Jacku, to NAA, because of that leadership experience, which at the time when I was a recipient, the award was to participate in the Dell Carnegie Leadership Program. And I mean, that, that left an indelible impression because it taught me how to manage executive level conversations, how to develop my own leadership style and to craft that in a way that did not leave out my own personal experience. I've been in the um, res- the property management industry for, this is my 16th year, <laughs> my 16th year in the industry, which um, I'm very endeared to the industry. It has not only helped me mature my view in, in helping and serving people, but just uh, a vast amount of opportunities. And I can't think of very many industries that allow you to create a path. And property management has allowed that. And I think that's one of the necessary things when you talk about diversity and inclusion is creating paths that don't exist or previously have not been available. And the scholarship allowed uh, opportunity for that. It's clear that organizations like NIA are taking strides to help diversify the industry. But there's more to be done. How can you create a more inclusive environment at your workplace? For that answer, we turn to Jasmine Sylvester, who we heard from at the top of the show. Here she references a DEI plan, which is short for diversity, equity, and inclusion. I believe that a DEI plan is basically a formalized strategy that specifies what action steps are to be taken to better integrate DEI into a company or organization strategic plan. Every good company has strategic planning where they go back to the drawing board, see what works, what didn't work. And DE&I needs to be embedded in a corporation's infrastructure at every single level. DE&I plans need to be a part of the company's core values, and it needs to be understood across all tiers of leadership. Putting a DEI plan into action, Jasmine says, begins by simply asking questions. I think it's very important piece to this, um, reaching out to those who may have experience in DE&I consultation or establishing work groups, which is something that could be a more fiscally um, responsible thing or um, a more so hands-on approach 
by creating a focus group within the company composed of the minorities um, with that organization from all levels, meaning your executives who may be of color or from different diverse backgrounds, um, the employees and or workers, um, as well as some of the board members who you may have that may be of various differing backgrounds um, so that everyone can contribute to the conversation. That's where that equity piece comes in, right? Another step is education. Diversity training is great, especially training that facilitates checking biases. We all have them. Unconscious bias. We, we all have them. And checking microaggressions. It happens. Um, and how to deal with adversity or, and or pushback from those who are uncomfortable with the changes that could potentially be made. How do you deal with that? I think that this sort of training and recommendations could definitely help all employees, but more specifically, leadership positions, board members, your executives, the hiring managers, HR. And finally, there's the rollout. Once you have a formalized action plan, then there comes the implementation. It's okay, you said you're going to do something, so let's do it. And I think this communicates um, so well to those employees who are, are looking for change, who need change. And it communicates on various different levels that you're actually implementing the things that you said you were going to be supportive of. And that the, you know, the focus group, you take, took heed to their recommendations and have actually put them into place. I think it, it, it gives the employees a sense of ownership within the company and a feeling of value in the company as well. It's time to take the next step and create a more diverse and inclusive organization. What's stopping you? Thanks for listening to The Top Floor. For more information about today's guests and additional property management insights, visit us at atfolio.com. And don't forget to subscribe to The Top Floor on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. We'll see you next time.